this week into a situation and a challenge that is, as Nathan has said, is very, very different to the context that, that we work in. And sometimes I think in Britain we think, you know what, well, preaching the gospel is it, tough. It, it's not easy out there at all. But Macedonia takes it to another level. And, and if we were talking about Iraq, if we were talking about North Korea, if we were talking about Afghanistan, I think we have an appreciation that those countries are incredibly difficult and challenging for people to work in as missionaries. But sometimes we think, once we get to the European countries, we think, oh, no, it's okay, it's Europe. They've got churches, they're doing okay. And the reality is, they're not. Let me just put those statistics into context for you. Um, the Joshua Project, when they were initiated, their editorial committee determined that any people group that had less than 2% of its population as, an evangelic, as evangelicals, they were an unreached people group. Less than 2% evangelical. That was the figure that they came up with. Macedonia, 2,000, 3,000 people out of a population of 2 million. That represents 0.001 of the population. One in a thousand. It's not even near 2%. We are dealing with, even with the orthodox Christianities there, we are dealing with a completely unreached people group. We are dealing with a group where there are a couple, a couple in Emil and Vesna who are going out to plant a church in an area. Do you know how big their church is at the moment? Let me be real with you here. Six. Ooh, it's a bit rubbish, isn't it? But actually, I reckon they're probably one of the fastest growing churches in Macedonia right now. That's the reality of it. Six people, they've got two new folk that have come by in the last couple of months. They've got a famous artist in Macedonia who's coming every Sunday. And it is an incredible challenge. It's not because people haven't been saved there. I went out in, in October last year. Five people got saved. I spoke with one of them this time. Uh, I met one of the others. They have been pressured away from the church. When uh, Darren and the team went out in May, another three people got saved. They've got pressured away from the church. Can you imagine what that is like when you're trying to build a church? You do all the work. People have accepted Christ. All of that stuff is working really, really well. And then the risk is that people can't come to church because if they do, their family will disown them. That is the kind of stories we were getting time and time and time again. If you, whether it's their parents, whether it's sometimes it's sons, sometimes it's parents, different family members who are saying, if you keep going to that church, then I am no longer your son. I am no longer your father. Can you imagine the pressure that puts on people? That is the challenge. And yet, somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to reach them. There are only 34 church, Pentecostal churches in Macedonia. 30 of them are on the western side of the country. On the eastern side, there are four, of which Emil and Vesnus is one. So few people. And one of our major tasks was to go out and encourage them. You've got to put yourself, put yourself in the context of the pastor just for a minute. You're working away, working away, doing lots of great things. They connect with projects, they're meeting with people. Nobody gets saved. How do you feel as a pastor one year down the line, two years down the line? So easy to give up, isn't it? Uh, where's God? Where's God in all this? Isn't God supposed to just break through? Isn't God just supposed to get everything sorted? And sometimes they just need people to go out and just love them. You know, we, met, we went to some of the ministries. We talked with some of the guys that they're reaching. 
But the most important thing we did was we just loved Emil and Vesna and spent time with them and encouraged them to keep going. Because, you know, even with the Church of Six, they're doing an amazing work. They really, really are. They are bringing light to a nation that is in darkness. They are part of bringing Revelation 7-9 to pass. How does every nation, tribe and tongue get into the kingdom of heaven unless somebody goes to every tribe and nation and tongue and somebody keeps going even when nothing seems to be happening? And we use the classic example of China as a place where nothing seemed to be happening for many, many, many years when the first missionaries went out there. And now look at it. You've got sometimes the soil is so hard that actually we talk about planting seeds, but you've actually got to turn the soil over before you can even put the seed in. And that's the phase they're in at the moment. They're turning the soil over so that seeds can start to get planted. And once those seeds are planted, they'll start to grow. And I was just blessed with the couple that they, were, they have been working with. A guy called Yako and a guy called Danny. And Danny... Just been through Team Challenge. He's come back. He'd been back, I think, about five days when we arrived. And he's so full of passion for Jesus. And you know what? There's something about him. He was speaking at times when we were sharing in devotions. And he was providing more insight and truth. We sit there with the devotion and with the spending time with God. Fantastic time. And Danny's heart was, we've got to get out there. We've got to go to those who don't yet know him. Well, if we could all take that on board. Christian for a tiny length of time, and yet his understanding was, Jesus has transformed me. Jesus has changed my life, and if Jesus can change my life, he can do it for some of the other guys who are coming off heroin and on methadone at the moment, who are locked into that lifestyle. And that's his passion and his ministry. That's what he wants to do, to go to those guys and to win them for Jesus. And he's got an evangelistic heart. And you know what? It can be one moment, one place in time, and God can break everything open. He can break everything open. And it was just as I was coming back, I, um, I was coming back from Macedonia, and, and then I did what I always do. You go onto the internet, you do the really, really important stuff in life, like check what's going on with the football, um, have a look at the news. Uh, and for me, the other really, really important thing is checking on sea ice extent in the Arctic. Anyone else been doing that recently? See ice extent? I check it every day, see how we're doing. It's, it's growing well. Um, and I was just looking at all these things. It's like, I, I like the climate. I like the, I'm interested in weather. And, and, you know, it was whilst I was studying this stuff and I was thinking about Emil and Vesna and they were the lights of the nation and they're kind of a, a place where people can come and receive the peace that Jesus brings. The peace that it talks about in, in Galatians 5.22 as part of the fruit of the Spirit, that we receive that peace. And Emil and Vesna and what Jesus is doing through them creates a peace that people can receive in the middle of a storm. And as I was looking, guess what I discovered? That there is a storm out in the Atlantic heading for Britain. Category 3 hurricane. And it's heading to Ireland tomorrow morning. Most of you will know at this stage. And, and that's going to bring some serious weather to, to Ireland. Coming up, it's not downgraded overnight in quite the way people were thinking it was going to do. Hurricanes are supposed to go to the Caribbean, supposed to go to America, supposed to hit India. They don't come to Britain. But it will tomorrow. And 
just thinking this through, I'm thinking Macedonia, I'm thinking Emil and Vesna, and I'm thinking about them being a piece in the middle of the store. And then I looked at the pictures of this Category 3 Ophelia, I think that's how you say it, um, Hurricane Ophelia, and as it developed yesterday into a Category 3 storm just off the Azores, you could start to see the eye in the centre of the hurricane, and you could start to see the wall forming. It became really, really strong, and suddenly you can see all of this cloud, all of this storm circling round, and right in the middle is the eye. And it just got me thinking, you know, you're stuck, Ireland's going to face it tomorrow, you've got all of this turmoil, all of this storm going on, and yet when the eye comes over you, there's peace, there's calm. And it just got me thinking, and there's a pretty obvious scripture that this ties in with. Matthew 8, 23 to 27. Jesus on the lake of Galilee. Let me read it to you. Matthew 8, 23 to 27. It says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And this is a passage of scripture that probably many of you, you've heard many, many times, and there's some nice messages that can come out of it. But I just want to think about that for a little minute, and the context in which it's said. Very first verse there that we read, in verse 23, it says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. When I'm reading the Bible, and I see a then, I want to know what went on before. Because what went on before creates a context for the actual scripture. So often we talk about the boat and we talk about Jesus and being asleep and we'll go into that in a moment. But before we go and look at that, I want to look at what's the then? What is going on before they get in the boat with this storm coming across? Verse 18 says this. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. They're tough scripture verses. Two people who are described as disciples who are wanting to follow Jesus. And it's very interesting. Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Of course, that is just putting an emphasis on Jesus is more important than anything else. Even family. Jesus is the most important thing. But the way that this scripture is talking is that we've got to think here. There is going to be a storm coming out on this sea. Storm coming on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is going to take a boat and he's going to take his disciples out into the sea, knowing that a storm is coming. 
here are two guys, and I don't know what happens quite here. I don't know where what becomes of them, because Jesus has given them a response, and it doesn't really say whether they then said, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you, or whether they actually thought, no, I want to go and bury my father, or, or they decided not to. But here's the point that I want to raise. Whichever the way that goes, here's the thought. The thought is this. Jesus went out into the lake of Galilee knowing a storm was coming, and he took his disciples with him into the storm. If these two guys in this scripture here looked at it, and, and the guy who's like, oh, no, I'm going to bury my father. If he chooses to follow Jesus and put him first and leave his, the dead to bury their dead, then he gets in the boat with Jesus and goes into the middle of the storm. If he chooses not to follow Jesus at that point, he misses the storm. He doesn't get involved in the storm because the storm occurs over the sea. Now, that's interesting. Only the guys who were following Jesus hit the storm on this particular occasion. That's not what we like to hear as Christians, right? Surely what's supposed to happen is the storm hits everybody else, and as Christians, we just walk through nice and say, no problem at all. And that's all right, because we've got Jesus and yet here we see Jesus is leading the very people who are following him into the storm. That is a big challenge. It's a big challenge for me. And here's the thing with the storm. As they go out into the storm, we're not dealing with people who have no idea and have never been at sea before. We're dealing with a group of fishermen. Fishermen who recognize the climatic conditions. They recognize the weather. Just as we can see Ophelia... And everybody can look and they can follow its track and they can figure out from the skies what's going to happen. Fishermen can look at the skies and they can identify when storm situations are coming. So I am guessing as they went out, there wasn't a sign of a storm coming. Because if they had, the fishermen, the disciples would have gone, hey, storm coming, better not go out. So they didn't know what was coming. This thing came up and it says in the Bible, it says it came up suddenly. Storm suddenly comes up. And, and they're out in the middle of it. People who are efficient, they are out there, they know how these things work, and suddenly they become terrified for their lives. Question this morning for you guys is simply this. What storm is in your life at the moment? What storm have you got that's coming? What storm are you in the midst of, and how are you responding to it? What is your response? Is Jesus there? Are you criticizing him? Or are you praising him? As Nathan has already said, in the midst of storms, in the midst of trials, do we choose to praise or do we choose to grumble? Do we choose to moan? We shouldn't ever think that just because we're following Jesus, we have a right to be exempt from the storms of life. They come. They come. And sometimes the storms come just because you are following Jesus. Emil and Vesna out in Macedonia, they could, they could skip a whole bunch of storms by just simply saying, you know what, just do Orthodox Christianity. I'll just step down. I'll not, we'll get rid of the building. We'll sell up. We'll quit. They could remove a whole pile of storms in their lives by just stopping. But they're not going to do that. Are you going to do that? Storms in your life. The storms that come because of your faith. Are you going to stop? 
or you're going to say, you know what? Jesus is there. Because this is the thing, and this is where it gets really, really interesting. You see, Jesus wanted them to go through the storm. Most of the time in our lives, we want to circumvent the storm. We want to go round the outside. We want to avoid the storm, and we think that God should be looking after us and protecting us to ensure that we don't go through the storm, that we go under it, over it, round it, however we can do it, but never through it. And yet Jesus says, no, you need to go through this. And that's the thing, you need to go through it. And we don't always like to think of, oh, I need to go through it. You know, a little boat being tossed on the storm. They were reckoning with Ophelia, the, the waves that are going to hit Ireland are like 30 to 50 feet high. You imagine how tall, how high that is. You imagine what a little fishing boat is like in the middle of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. That is going to, you are going to feel life-threatened without any doubt. But actually, whilst they're in the boat, in this life-threatening situation, guess who's there with them? Jesus. He's right there, isn't he? And it says, Jesus was sleeping on the boat. And this is the key. A pile of disciples are terrified about because all they see is the storm. They see all the swirling stuff and they go panic and, and they all jump up probably rocking a boat that's already rocking, and they've started panic, don't they? Jesus, Jesus, wake up, wake up, wake up. We're going to die. We're going to, it's all going wrong. And yet Jesus, in the middle of the storm, is in complete peace because he is in tune with his father. He can sleep. He can rest because the storm doesn't trouble him. He is the word of God. He is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the one who's created all this stuff, and he knows that with one word, he can calm the storm. He could have calmed the storm before the storm started. Did you think about that? But he chose not to. He wanted the storm to come up. And when the storm comes up, it's very, very interesting. You see, the storm comes up, it starts to hit the disciples, and Jesus rebukes the disciples. And he says, O oh, ye of little faith, and I find this interesting because he's talking, he's talking to the thousands and saying, you of little faith, it's like Jesus is in the boat with you. And we tend to think of that as like, hey, the disciples haven't got enough faith. They're not trusting that Jesus can calm the storm. But actually, I think this is way, way deeper than just the disciples looking and going, Jesus can't, uh, can the storm be calm? We're all going to die and fall over the edge. Because here's the thing. The disciples have been walking with Jesus for a while by this point. They should know who he is. This is the son of God that they've been journeying with, right? This is the Messiah. This is the guy written about in the Old Testament who's got to fulfill. If he is truly the son of God, the certain prophecies that are going to be fulfilled, we heard one this morning. The son of God has got to come into Jerusalem on a colt. It's got to happen because it's there in Scripture. So if, the per if a person goes through their life and doesn't ride into Jerusalem on a colt, they can't be the son of God because they've not fulfilled scripture. Okay? So here we are. We've got a bunch of guys on a boat with Jesus. The storms are coming up. They think they're going to die. What does that actually look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. What they are saying is, you know what? I think this boat is going to tip over. I think we're all going to go down. We're going to get drowned in the sea. And that's the end of it. All on the boat lost. 
That means Jesus gets lost at sea. Think that one through for a moment. That means Jesus drowns at sea because the storm got him. That is what they're actually saying. So when Jesus is saying, oh, ye of little faith, this is not just about can Jesus calm the storm. This is about, are you, do you really know who I am? Do you really know who I am? I am the Son of God. If I am the Son of God, it is not possible for me to be dying at the bottom of the Lake of Galilee because I've still got certain things to do and I'm going to be raised up. I'm controlling life and death because I am the Messiah. That's who he is. And if the disciples truly understood that, you know what? They could have slept with him. Because there's no way Jesus can die on that boat if he is the Son of God. And if Jesus isn't going to die, what? Is he going to let everybody else fall over the edge and he'll be all right? It's a new way of looking at it. It's actually, Jesus wasn't just questioning their faith in whether he could calm the storm. They were, Jesus was questioning their faith in him. And you know what? This is a little bit close to home sometimes, isn't it? Particularly if you're walking through trials right now, and in a room this size, and the fact that God laid this message on my heart, there are plenty of people walking through trials here today. You know what? You have your very own Ophelia has come right upon you and is either about to hit or is already hitting you. And you know what? We can praise Jesus when it's all, as I say, we've heard it. I said we'd had the sermon this morning. We can praise Jesus when it's good. We can praise Jesus when everything's going well. But what do we actually believe about Jesus when it's not working out how we think it should? Because that's when the, te that's when the test comes. That's why we actually have to go through the storm. We often think it's about the storm, but it's not about the storm. It's about our character. Because when it's going well, it doesn't, Things, our character isn't shaped. When we're challenged, when things aren't going well, we, we find the test. It's like, what is our faith really like? Do we truly have faith in him? Or is our faith just when things are going well? When the storm hits, how am I going to respond? Is Jesus still worthy to be praised on Thursday and Friday? Is Jesus still the Lord? Or is Jesus now the one to whom we grumble about because Somehow we've ended up in the storm when we wanted to go around it. Let me give you a, a response that I think is an excellent response and is also a reminder of who Jesus is. Psalm 121. It's one of my favorite, favorite psalms. Right from the time when I was first saved. Think of this in the context of the calming of the storm and of Jesus. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That's interesting. Jesus is asleep in the boat. And it just says the Lord will not slumber and the Lord will not sleep. And yet the Lord's asleep on the boat. How do we work that one out? Here's the thing. The disciples, in crying and panicking because Jesus was asleep, had this understanding that because Jesus was physically sleeping on the boat, that he didn't know what was happening, didn't know what was going on, and actually wasn't watching over them, as it says he should be doing in Psalm 121. But here's the thing. Jesus knew exactly what was happening. And he knows exactly what's happening in your life. And even if all you can see is storm and turmoil and cloud and rain and flooding and all this kind of stuff, 
You see, Jesus knows that he's developing your character. He knows that it's a chance for you to grow in faith in him. And he knows that there's a time coming when the storm passes. And we need to remember that. Storms come, but storms go. Ophelia is going to wreck some damage over Ireland and possibly over UK in the next 48 hours. Come Wednesday, it's gone. Storms are there for a time. They're a season. They're an event. But the Lord isn't an event or a season. He is eternal. He is never changing. And he always cares about you. Always, always, always. And he knows your needs. And his heart breaks over the situation more than yours does. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is the sh your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Some people need to hear that this morning. The Lord is watching over you and will watch over you. He sees your coming and going. He knows what you're going through, and he is there with you. This is the thing, that whole entire time in the boat, Jesus was present. The disciples just kind of forgot it or didn't realize that Jesus was present. The Son of God was present. But sometimes it's when in the midst of the storm, that's when we forget. We forget that the Lord is present with us. And we only see the storm. Because let's be honest, the storms are... Ophelia is not something to be trifled with. Category 3 storm. Katrina, when it hit New Orleans, was a Category 3, just to give you context. These are serious things. And the storms in your life are very serious. There is no diminishing it, no saying, oh, it's not really a storm. Far from it. The storms are real. The storms have a lot of dark clouds in them, and they can be terrifying to be in. But Jesus is with you. Thank God for that. So many people in life have storms and know Jesus with them. We have Jesus with us. And if he is with us and if he is watching over us and seeing what's going on, then whatever happens to us, it's in his hands. He can rescue you. He can speak a word. As he did to that storm, he came out and he spoke one word and the storm stops. And that's what can happen with your storm. One word and it can be over. But until that time, until the moment Jesus declares that word, we're in the storm, accept that we're in the storm, and use it as an opportunity to draw near to him. Come to him in praise. Because when you do, you see what happens is you stop panicking on the boat, and you start to move to that place where Jesus was, where you have peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's the inheritance we have in Christ. Do not be afraid. I'm nearly done this morning. Sometimes messages don't have to be really long. We just have to have God's word and God's heart. And I believe God has truly spoken this morning. For the disciples, the storm wasn't the problem. They thought the storm was the problem, 
but the storm wasn't actually the problem. In your life, you can see the storms around you, and you may think that the storm is the problem, but the storm is not the problem. Jesus said that actually it's your lack of faith in him that's the problem. That's what it was for the disciples. It's actually a lack of faith in him to see us through the storm, to guide us through. As I say, it's a challenging message this morning, but I believe it's one that if we can grasp this, if we can take a hold of it, then actually it will transform the way that we think and it will transform the way that we act when we get into difficult situations. And we can sit there and you go, all right, how's my faith doing? We actually, that's not a question we often ask in a storm, is it? How's my faith doing in Christ? Who do I see? Do I see Christ as being the, the Messiah, the one who's going to ride in on the colt, the one who's going to die on the cross for me? Or do I see Messiah as one who's going to drop to the bottom of the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee? Is that where he's going? My Jesus. <laughs>